My last guest this week, certainly not least, is Yang Tang, CEO and co-founder of Arch Indices and Arch Indices Investment Advisors. Yang is building what he calls the next generation of passive index solutions. Their first ETF just launched in October of last year. It's the Arch Indices VOI Absolute Income ETF, ticker symbol VWI, which we will be diving into. Uh, Yang is now on the line with me from New York. Yang, it's an absolute pleasure. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So uh, I was looking on your website, and I, I love this. I saw that Arch Indices is a true passion project for you. Uh, you said that you founded this company because you wanted to make these next generation index solutions accessible to everyone. And so I thought, let, let's start there. You've been in some interesting roles in the past at places like Morgan Stanley, Citi, uh, Deutsche. So, so maybe talk about those experiences and then how they led you to this uh, passion project. Yeah, I would love to. I started Arch uh, really, uh, sorry, August 2022 with a former colleague of mine from City, Dr. Jacob Kwa. He's a PhD in math, and between the two of us, we spent a combined 40 years working inside investment banks. Um, our role was to create solutions for institutional clients. I graduated Columbia Business School in 2012. And I started in the associate program at Morgan Stanley, where I was placed on the Global Macro Solutions Group. I worked then at Citi, Deutsche, and Credit Ag, and most of my clients were banks, insurers, asset managers. And the purpose of our group was to create structured, bespoke, derivative, and financing solutions that met client needs for asset liability, yield enhancement, capital management, and tactical client needs. So it started as a passion project during COVID, Dr. K and I were talking about just the madness people were doing with their money. And that spawned the question, how will we manage our own money? So we created this just to do that. We felt the best way to manage our personal money was to build optimized portfolios that, one, focus on the goal, and two, create the least amount of portfolio volatility. And when you think about all the things that we were doing at banks for large institutional clients, you know, we thought about ways to package that into a more accessible solution and bring that to the entire wealth management and everyday ETF space. Yeah. And before we get into uh, VWI, talk more when you say optimize portfolios. And as I was looking through this, this sort of sounds like uh, smart beta to me, but I, I know there's a lot more to it than that. So maybe explain more what you mean by next generation index solutions and, and optimize portfolios. Yeah, so the, the biggest question we need to think about is how do you weight a portfolio? And that's really where the struggle of passive ETFs come in. An index is really a derivative at the end of the day, but how an index company builds a product for market exposure is very different how you would build a derivative for a client need. So that's what we started thinking about is every component of a portfolio should really have a risk-adjusted contribution. So, you know, it is, it is a variation of smart beta uh, and really around factors. Mm -hmm. So what you're looking for is you're looking for a output, which is a high factor relative to the volatility. And that's what we term the performance ratio. So you want a bunch of assets that have very high performance ratio, but they don't move together, which further reduces portfolio volatility. 
So obviously the perfect example of this would be your ETF. So let's walk through that. Again, the Arch Indices VOI Absolute Income ETF, ticker symbol VWI. Uh, explain the goal of this and, and how it's constructed at a high level, and then we can get into some uh, additional detail here. Yeah, so VWI is an income ETF. The idea of this is you want current income, but you also want to reduce portfolio volatility. Um, you know, I would tell everyone that we just crossed $2 million yesterday. We've been in the market close to five months, and it's an all-in-one income solution. We start with dividend stocks, and then we combine that with bond ETFs. So the dividend stocks we include as a screen. It has to be a minimum of $2 billion market cap, $20 million three-month daily average trading volume, a 3% yield, and a five years of regular dividend history. So to note, this is really the eligibility for inclusion. We don't actually exclude any assets if they uh, fall one of those criterias, unless there's a corporate action. We then take 12 bond ETFs that represent the key segment of the U.S. dollar bond market, and that's the eligibility for an optimization. So right now, up that, there's probably uh, close to 600 total securities. But any given moment, you only need about 60 to 120 to create the optimal portfolio. Um, and what's great about this is that the last rebalance on February 8th, the index portfolio yield is 7%. It's 79% dividend stocks right now, 21% bond ETS. And it's high income, it's low volatility, and has potential for capital appreciation. As you go through that, one thing that comes to mind for me, is there any sort of uh, quality filter on the individual stock holdings? Because obviously, if you're screening for companies paying above a 3% dividend, and, and you walk through some other screens there as well around you know size and liquidity, but if, if you're just screening for a 3% dividend yield, you could end up with some value trap type plays in there. So is there any sort of quality screen? There's not. And the reason we don't have that is... When you think about the process, we're not optimizing for income outright. So one of the biggest things that you mentioned is uh, a big fear of dividend investors. The last thing you want is, you know, 22%, 25% dividend stocks that, you know, decline 30, 50, 70%. That kind of defeats the purpose of being an income investor. What we actually optimize for is the performance ratio. It's looking at the yield relative to its volatility. So your first line of defense is the market. At any time when there is investor debate about, you know, the sustainability of the dividend where a company's headed, the volatility increases. Mm -hmm. So when the volatility increases, it automatically becomes less attractive in our optimization. So what we end up with is usually a lot of assets that either, one, have little investor debate and very high performance ratio, or the yield is so high that it negates the investor debate. That's well said. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so that, that also creates a second. Um, the market defense is also a second barrier against the human bias of what we define as quality. And, you know, I think even within the factor investing world, quality is a very hard one to define. You know, some people look at leverage ratios. Some people look at a profitability ratios. Some people look at, uh, you know, sustainability of payouts and such. But realistically, you know, all of those things are fundamental and they're backward looking. Whereas in our methodology, we allow the market to dictate what happens to securities. And just to be clear, I'm assuming everything you just walked through there, that applies to the bond side of the equation as well in terms of the criteria for the types of bond ETFs used? 
Yeah, so we picked 12. Um, Ten of them are Vanguard ETFs. We selected them really on three criteria. The first is the liquidity. The second is the sector we're looking to represent. And the third is the cost. Um, so 11 of the 12 are either the most liquid or the low and or their lowest cost in their space. Uh, one of them is, you know, a bit more bespoke is the AAA CLO ETF. Uh, and that one is newer. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to capture over 90 percent of the U.S. dollar bond market and allow investors to have exposure to that to offset some of the volatility of the dividend stock holding. Yeah, and just to give listeners a, uh, a flavor, I was looking at the, the top 10 holdings. So number one is that uh, AAA CLO ETF you mentioned, JAAA from Janice Henderson. That has nearly a 13% weighting. There's also an ETF like VTIP, uh, the Vanguard yep. short-term tips ETF, USHY, the iShares Broad High Yield Corporate Bond ETF, and then uh, stocks like Altria, and British American tobacco. It's a, it's a really uh, interesting mix. Um, Yang, if, if I were to try to boil this down, I, I, you know, one of the, the areas that comes to mind for me as I look at this ETF is minimum volatility. And I'd be curious how you would suggest that it, VWI compares to a MinVol ETF, such as, say, USMV, the iShares MinVol ETF, right? Obviously, VWI holds bonds, so, so we know that's different, but how similar or dissimilar is this compared to a MinVol approach? Yeah, so the MinVol approach is a little bit different than ours because it uses volatility as the factor. So USMV really takes the approach where you have 600 securities and you're looking for the basket of the lowest volatility. So the key difference is there is no goal. The goal is to find the lowest volatility portfolio, whereas we have a goal. The goal is to generate income for you. That's the first key difference. The second is around portfolio construction. Uh, USMB uses something in the industry which is called a matrix optimizer. It uses a linear algebra approach to optimization. We actually went a different approach to optimization. We built a recursive approach, which is thinking of it more as a derivative tree and looking for an optimal outcome. And when you talk about portfolio construction, again, obviously this holds bonds. This is a multi-asset ETF. And so how do you see this being used in a portfolio? Because I'll tell you, in talking to advisors, I sometimes get the sense that there's some confusion around products such as this, where advisors don't quite know, does this go in the equity sleeve of a portfolio? Does this go in the fixed income sleeve? Is it both? Uh, could this be an alternative investment? And so how should investors and advisors think about incorporating this into a portfolio? Yeah, I think the easiest way to think about this is it's a package portfolio. It's a package portfolio that gives you income and it dynamically rebalances. So I think traditionally people thought about things as, you know, equities or stocks, but there's actually quite a few people out there that hold preferred stock. And preferred stocks are, you know, kind of the same idea, right? They're not really fixed income. They're not really equities either. And, you know, so it's really designed for people that want an income exposure. Um, it's targeted towards, you know, people that are looking to generate passive income at a different phase in life. It's targeted towards capital preservation. It's also targeted towards uh, people that are looking for a lower risk uh, profile. So those are the three main ways. Um, you know, and I think the other way is, you know, you can also think of this as an income replacement. So if you're sitting there, you're struggling with today, what is, which dividend stocks should I think about? You know, how should I weight stocks versus bonds? 
how should I think about you know XYZ exposure? How should I think about the portfolio volatility? This gives that to you in a package solution. Yang, just a few minutes left here uh, before I let you go. One of the threads I've had throughout the podcast today is around the top heaviness of the S&P 500. And obviously, your ETF is rules-based, right? It's index-based, and so you're not making active decisions uh, here. But I'd love to hear your thoughts around that because, uh, you know, this is a topic that is front of mind for for just about every advisor and and, and investor. And so is that concentration risk uh, within the S&P 500 something that you're concerned about? Does that bolster the case for an ETF such as yours? How are you viewing this right now? I think 100% bolsters the case for our ETF. The reason we started this company was we saw a similar problem as everyone's talking about today, which is how do you weight the portfolio? So when you think about market cap or you think about equal weight, it's a size bias. So it's not that the concentration is the problem. It's why is that so concentrated? And you're concentrated around a size factor. Unless you specifically wanted a size factor, the market cap and the equal weight approach is not really the optimal way to go about it. We build our portfolios around risk-based contribution. So if something is concentrated, we can say, well, it's concentrated because it has a great performance ratio and the volatility correlation profile that we want. And if you know something is concentrated for that reason, that's a good reason to be concentrated. But if you're concentrated solely on arbitrary based on size, you know, that may not be the best. And, you know, also equally, right, the equal weight portfolio is problematic because not all of those assets deserve to have the same weight. Such an interesting uh, conversation. I'm sure one I'll be digging in much more in the uh, future. But, Yang, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Really enjoyed connecting. Best of luck to you and your firm on this uh, ETF journey that you're now on. And uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. That was Yang Tang, CEO and co-founder of Arch Indices and Arch Indices Investment Advisors.